what's going on, everybody? You are listening to Suds Buds, the show where good buds talk good suds with the wonderful workers of the beer industry. As always, I'm your host, Eric Anderson. And with me in studio, co-host of this. You okay there? I don't know what that was. (laughs) My my body just made a really weird noise. You just interrupted your own introduction. You want to say who you are? Uh, I'm Kevin Spacey. No, just kidding. No, that's uh, okay. No, well, <laughs> we haven't hit the the one minute mark. We've already pissed people off. Yep, but. Yeah, No, uh, I'm Dustin, co-host. Eric usually does this part because he knows me better than I know myself. Hey, man, I- I'm doing good. Are you? I'm not sure what just happened there. Like you had some sort of a <laughs> bodily malfunction. Yeah, dude. It sounded like I've never seen any of the alien movies, but I'm assuming that was a noise that would come from one of those creatures. It was strange. I'm not even sure what orifice it came out of but it was a it came from in this region you can't see it at home but i'm just pointing to my whole body and yeah i don't know what that was it was strange it's because this this damn protein shake i'm drinking well i hope you're doing okay and can make it through today's episode because i think it's gonna be a pretty fun one i think it's gonna be a pretty fun one too i'm really looking forward to this man i really look forward to these tuesdays just in general like it's been so fun just Getting to meet new people and really do deep dives with some old friends and casual acquaintances, and it's just been—it's been a wild ride, and I'm excited to see where it goes because we're just in the very early stages of this. Agreed. Yeah, this is usually like the back nine of my day, and usually this is the best part of the day. The first half of the day is usually real solid, but man, today, I tell you. Real sweaty bitch outside. Real hot, real muggy, outside doing deliveries, throwing kegs, one hand. Just kidding, I'm not that strong and or big. So, yeah, it was it was, it was was a doozy of a day out there. But made it through. Had to bite down a little bit on the old bandana. Push through. Yeah, I was going to say, it was kind of extra long for you. Usually you come by, you know, a few hours before we we uh, start recording today you just yeah. kind of kind of skirted in you know it was kind of a, a long one you said you're really putting the miles on there what time do yeah. you have to start at today Nine thirty every tuesday thursday we start yeah it was whole thing today was just like going further north getting all those accounts getting our beer but yeah it was just like they were all like 30 minutes apart from each other and i got handed like 12 or 13 deliveries today and i was like sick not getting done early today but you know who am i to complain still made money did my thing drove around was by myself being a hero man just expanding the brand every day dude serving up the foamers can't complain about that do you find you would enjoy the driving part of it because i'm sure you know there's gonna be perks and disadvantages to that uh delivery route running aspect but do you do you like the driving more just getting to unwind and listen to a podcast or do you like the being in the store talking to the you know the the other merchandisers or shop owners and you know tossing kegs and coolers it really depends yeah like there there's a lot of uh ambiguity there yeah that's the right word am i just sounding smarter than i truly am let's get we need our fact checker we'll take it yeah 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 um I hate going to Total Wines. Just Total Wines suck across the board. The smaller local mom and pop shops, I love going to. Amen. I hate sounding like that hippie guy. Yeah, big corporate America, boo. But uh, no, I just I find the people at the smaller stores. Ambibulous again is just, like they're just fun people to talk to. Like I walked in Ambibulous today and they were listening to Lana Del Rey. I was like, yes. 
is what I needed <laughs> for it. my day. Yeah. I haven't been in there in a few weeks. Making something like a problem, but it's right? kind of become a staple for this show. Like if I need to find a, you know, uh, uh, a weird beer that's only available in Crowlers uh, that one of our guests suggests, that's usually you can always find it there. Yeah, no it's problem. A safe bet. If if it's Minnesota, can't yes, find anything that is else. True. There. Nothing else. But that's also what makes it cool. I mean, if you're looking for just like a, you know, a limited release beer, a cool Minnesota spirit that you read about in like the right. Growler or something, and more often than not, they're probably going to have it or be able to tell you who right. does. You know what's weird? So you know how they're Minnesota crafts and spirits only, but they won't have hams or Sierra Nevada in there, right? Yeah, yeah. Sierra Nevada? Well, Sierra Nevada is California. Oops. <laughs> Summit, maybe, are you thinking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Summit. Summit, Summit, Summit. Yeah, maybe, I don't know. I'm curious if they only do self-distributed brands. I'm not. I'm really not sure about that. But yeah, I've never seen Summit in there. Or if maybe they do one, like, limited releases from Summit. Um, Hams is, I believe, originally, f- I, I, I know they're in Milwaukee now. But I think they used to brew in St. Paul where the St. Paul Brewing Company, formerly known as Flat Earth, is located. I think that used to be a Hams mm. building. Okay. But I'm not positive. Someone needs to, to check me on that. Yeah, I wonder if it's just like a once you get too big, it's like, yeah, I can find you at every liquor store ever. Yeah, yeah. It's, I don't know. No, I'm curious. I'm curious right? how do they determine what they bring in. That would be an interesting one. Still would love to have uh, have them on sometime. But uh, See, you're thinking about that so much, and that's just my brain firing at 40% right now. See? <laughs> We get the juices flowing. So uh, we should probably mention we had a chance to kind of uh, sneak in a a quick little beer here right between when you got off of work and before we did. We yeah. And I think our opinions are a little bit different on it. A little bit. Yeah. I'm excited to uh, talk about this one. So let's crack open the conversation on this <laughs> beverage. It comes from uh, Untitled Art, which is a brewery in... Wanaki, Wisconsin. Um, and this actually comes to us from some friends of the show. Um, listeners since day one. Uh one of the first. OGs. OGs. Uh yeah. So shout out to to Nat and uh and Justin for throwing us this beer and asking us to enjoy it on the show. Yeah, the fine so. folks that they are. Absolutely. So I mean What kind of beer was it, Eric? Uh it was so it's a chocolate banana imperial stout. Um, That's just a mouthful in itself. Yeah, Imperial Stout with cacao nibs and banana puree. And it's coming in pretty big at 11% wow. ABV. Maybe that's why I'm feeling a little looser now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, and it was only a 12-ouncer, and we split it. But uh, it's definitely one of those that'll that'll warm you up. Oh, yeah. And uh, what did you think of it? I, I, it seemed like by your facial expression... You were kind of feeling like how I was feeling after that, uh, what was it? I know what you're thinking. Barrel Theory Imperial Stout. Yeah, the coconut one. Yeah. Okay, so this has been sitting in my fridge for like a month. Nice. And I have been really excited. Yeah, (laughs) conditioning. Uh, But uh, So I've been looking forward to drinking it for a while, but it was one of those things just waiting waiting for the right time. Yeah. And uh, felt like this would be... No better day than today. Yeah, you know, no better time to drink a heavy stout than when it's like 95 degrees out. Um, and humid. And sticky, yes. 
Um, but yeah, I'm excited, or I was excited about it because I, I love banana, and I, I also enjoy a good stout. I mean, it smelt like, I mean, the nose on it right away, both of us, it was it was like the best thing we've ever smelled, and just the, the color. It looked like a creamy, rippier float. It was amazing. I, yeah, no, I agree 100%. It was a beautiful color, like, um, yeah, just kind of chocolatey and milky color. Um, smelt fantastic, like fresh banana bread, really cool um watercolor can art yeah. um and here comes the big but and then it is like i said it's it's like the everything but beer i was digging it until i just took that first big gulp because it was just such a it was a punch of sweetness that i just was not expecting yeah um or maybe more than i was expecting um it was like taking an anderson silva front kick <laughs> probably not quite that bad because i do want to say like i I did um enjoy this for what it was but even you know splitting a 12 ounce can at it was hefty it felt like more than what we had yes no exactly exactly and i think i try to you know when i'm rating a beer not think about like how i'm feeling that day or like what the weather's like outside definitely impacts it though it does impact it but i try to just you know approach it just very like neutral as possible neutral and unbiased um but yeah that aside um really enjoyed it it's had i seen this on the shelf i probably would have bought it myself so thank you justin and nat for hooking us up um but i don't know having tried it now i don't know if i would buy it again fair yeah it's one of those super i mean it it nailed what it was going for, right? It has like a soft alcoholic bite in there, but it also had that just like rich milk chocolate and like heavy banana flavor in it. And I was digging it, but yeah, much like you, I think my opinion is starting to change a little bit in terms of uh, time and place. I think there's a good time and place for that beer, and I'm not... It's just a dessert beer, you know, much like Bent Paddle Black for me. Love that beer. One of my favorite beers would buy, but dessert beers, you know, it's not the go to what are you grabbing out of the fridge? Yeah, no, that's fair. I, I'm i not keeping a sixer of it in the fridge, though. Yeah, this is I wonder if they even sell this by a sixer. I can't imagine they do with it being as, as hefty as it is, but um, glad I tried it. Um, it is definitely... I think I I'm I can't dock it too much based on like what what you said, you know, because it it tastes like what it says it's going to taste like, you right. know, it's it's chocolatey, it's sweet, it's banana-y, it's boozy, it's lends itself to the style. Yeah. Um ah man. If I had to rate it, I would probably say Just because I would not buy it again, having tried it once, I'm probably going to put it at like a 3.3. Is there somebody who you would buy it for right off top? You think you think somebody would enjoy that? Oh, yeah, for sure. No, absolutely. And that's I I totally get why, you know, this beer is being made because there's definitely a market for this. I know a lot of people who drink, um, you know, heavy, sweet, boozy um barrel aged this isn't a barrel aged beer but like this type of beers mm-hmm. year round and, and love that stuff and are cellaring them so absolutely there's 
there's a, a consumer for this beer and I've got a lot of friends that would that would love to be be gifted this and you know honestly I'm I'm glad I was too it's uh it's just it's so unlike anything I've ever had before yeah no it's I love trying those unique beers even if you walk away from it saying mm, I wouldn't try it again I've never like regretted trying a beer you right, know I'm, yeah. I'm still waiting to try that one beer that's that's so off-putting that I regret that time I will say even though I didn't give it the best score in the world Bell's Two-Hearted out of any other I mean I think maybe aside from the first time I had a hazy IPA the first time I had Bell's Two-Hearted which was on this show um I've never tasted an IPA like that it was just it was incredible yeah it I mean I didn't give it the most incredible score in the world because that's just not my style of beer but like my taste buds were just like what's happening you know it was pretty cool well and Maybe worth noting now too. Our our scores are subject to change. Subject to change, and I want to say that like we're not going to be doing that all the time. Just you know, changing beers from five stars to one stars or anything, or palates vice versa. Change. But palates change, and I think we you know owe it to ourselves and to our guests to try those beers like outside of the conversation. So I think what we'll do, uh, maybe for one of the final episodes, uh, or maybe the finale of the season, we'll uh, we'll revisit some some old favorites let's run them all back oh man i don't know if we can do that but (laughs) maybe maybe try them in in the downtime throughout the week and take some notes do a little homework but not a bad idea i'm digging that (laughs) i was thinking just an all-day fiesta yeah i mean that could be that could be something (laughs) record it yeah um so what are you giving this uh this uh chocolate banana imperial stout God, I said it in my head, and I just didn't say it out loud like an idiot. Um, God. I think I'm going the same as you. You said 3-3? Three, three? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's it's fine beer. Nails what it's going for. In terms of drinkability on this disgustingly hot and humid day, it's probably... A gigantic zero. Yeah, it's really sticky right now. I know this is not the first episode we've we've commented on that, and it's probably going to be the opposite come winter. Yeah, in this location. right. That's probably exactly what I'm going to want come winter. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Three three. I think that I think that's a solid score for that beer. And in the eyes of others, though, I could see that being an immediate five star, like forever dessert after every meal. You know, type of beer. Oh, absolutely. Well, I don't know about after every meal, but... Well, uh, after every dinner, we'll say. You know who I think would like this one? Who's that? A uh, friend of the show, Nate. Ooh. I think Nate would be into it, because Nate, Nate likes getting getting jiggy with some of those... Uh, High ABV ones. Yeah, you know, the real rich, boozy beers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he loves Belgians. That's true, too. We got to have him back. Maybe we do a Belgian episode with Nate. Purely Belgians? I yeah. like that. Let's reach out. But, uh... I suppose we should probably get to the main event. I think so. What do we got today, my friend? So our guest today comes to us from uh, Baldman Brewing Company in Egan, Minnesota, and he is the oh, assistant brewer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he's the assistant brewer over at uh, Baldman, and he, I might be corrected, but I think he's the first employee there. Yeah, even before the Open. Yeah, I think he was the At least first outside hire of family. On. I could be yeah. wrong. He'll probably, you know, let us know. But Besides tapper manager and both owners, you know, you think he might was probably the first, first real hire. True OG. Yeah. Well, anyways, uh, yeah, our guest today, 
assistant brewer at Baldman, Mr. Ben Hebel. Yeah. All that and more is right up next on this episode of Suds Buds. All right, we are here tonight with Ben Hebel in studio. Very special. First guest. First, well, not first. First guest. in in studio guest. The inaugural in studio guest. Feels great, man. Hey, fellas. Welcome to the dungeon. Appreciate it. <laughs> you make it seem like a welcoming place. We're trying to, you know, make good first impressions here, and you're calling it a dungeon, but it is pretty hot. Well, you know, Outcast worked out of the dungeon too, so okay, they so, were pretty dope. I need, to, I need to up my outcast lore to be up on that one. Dungeon family, man. Yeah, what Ben's trying to say is that greatness is born out of the dungeon. Yeah, so we're good. This is where it starts, grassroots. I love it. Well, welcome yeah. to the dungeon, Ben. Appreciate it. Nice. How's uh, how's your day been so far? I know you're doing a little brewing. Yeah. Good Making brew some day. foamers? Making some foamers. A little Young American Pale Ale today. Nice. So, Very nice. Been really yeah. enjoying that one lately. The yeah, room, no, it's uh, real good. It's a good beer. All Minnesota hops, at least for the time being, since uh, Mighty Axe no longer exists, unfortunately. Big bummer. I feel really bad for those guys. Oh, um, man. That's going to put a lot of Minnesota brewer- breweries in a weird spot, isn't it? It is. Uh, we still got a good supply, uh, and we don't brew that beer that often. So sure, we'll be able to, to keep that going for a little while with the Minnesota hops, so that's good. I'm sure making a few slight adjustments with the Wizards you guys are, it'll be smooth sailing yeah we'll take care of it for sure when the when the time comes i'd be sad to see that one disappear that's one of my favorite beers no, of all, it, man. it's not going anywhere nice yeah. glad to hear it i feel like you could fool most people not even tell them but like, yeah same beer yeah well you can have a little bit of different yeah. uh you know aroma and flavor from the terroir you know if they're growing over in washington versus minnesota you got different soil different climate so a little bit different but essentially the same you know, same variety of hops. So. Sure. Well, Very I'm excited cool. to taste Young American 2.0 when that inevitably happens. Absolutely. Well, like Young American, something that hopefully isn't going away anytime soon. We're kicking things off with a beer that you brewed. Yeah. Pass him that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's, ben, get, let's get after it. Tell us what we're drinking tonight. Uh, so he, here we got uh, Psychedelic Haze, which uh, used to be known as Purple Haze Bro. Okay. Uh, which Formally was the first beer that I ever developed for Bald Man. Um, started doing pilot. That's a big deal. I mean, you yeah. say that very casually, but that's a big deal. I mean, that's... No, I'm uh, I'm super happy with where this beer's at these days. Um, but yeah, this was the first small batch. Uh, well, sh- it's not the first small batch I ever did, but the first small batch that then went to 20-barrel uh, production. Nice. Um. And yeah, I'm just, um, this beer has a special place with me because of that. And it's one of our best sellers. Um, you know, we can it a lot and mm-hmm. yeah, we actually just kegged uh, 40 barrels of it today. So it's gone through some pretty tremendous changes, even in the, the year that I've been working with you, mm-hmm. you know, it, a lot of different stuff has happened to the recipe. And I think a, a good evolution of the beer, I think where this beer is standing right now. Fun fact, I think I've told you this probably hundreds of times now, but for the listeners, uh, this was like the first beer at our place of employment that I fell in love with and truly the first uh, New England style IPA that I was like, yeah, yeah, that's the one. Probably the first IPA just in general where I was like, yeah, that's that's my style. We're doing that. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, 
it was something that, you know, when I thought about what do I want to do for the brewery, I mean, a lot of things, but first off, you know, we didn't make any of this, you know, the New England IPAs and they're very popular. They sell well. And I took that as my opportunity to say, Hey, we need to do one of these. I'm going to do it. Um, as with anything I do in life, I like to do something a little different. So, um, yes, you got the citra hops in here, but I also grabbed a variety that's still relatively unknown to a lot of people in Belma, which, um, I just looked, you know, through a bunch of hops descriptions and, um, Belma really stuck out to me as a being something I've never had a beer with it. Uh, very unique. And you know, the, uh, the hop growers gave it a description of uh, strawberry and melon, which just sounded very good to me. So we decided to get some and uh, play around with it. And uh, that's where the hop combo, at least as far as this beer goes, was was kind of born through that. So Interesting. I One thing that just came up in my mind that I, I think I'm interested about, is there a way or do do like brewers or hop farmers brew like small, small batch, like, single hop beers to really like hone in the flavor profile of a hop or how do they find... absolutely okay yep i was gonna say i don't understand how they would do that all of these places that make raw ingredients for brewing so your hop farms your yeast laboratories your uh maltsters they're all they all have um experimental brew houses okay um where they can do whatever they want with their particular ingredients to see what the difference is or what, what flavor profiles they're getting. So absolutely. That's something I've never put a lot of, a lot of thought into him. Well, yeah. That's, I was that's just super like, interesting. Yeah. You can't eat a hop. Like, oh, it tastes like melon and strawberry. No. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, and actually, actually Belma, at least by the lore of the, the hop farm that grew it, uh, found it kind of in the ditch and, it ended up being a hybrid. I don't remember of which varieties, but uh, they said they kind of just stumbled upon it, smelled it, and were like, hmm, that's got some potential. And then, you know, probably did their normal kind of lab analysis on it and and did some things with it, probably brewing and, and um, you know, sensory stuff with their with their team and, and decided they wanted to, to keep growing it. So nice. I'm happy about that. I've still only had one other beer with Belma in it. What kind of beer was it? It's an IPA from actually from Wabasha in St. Nice. Paul. Shout out. Yeah, I was wondering what kind of beers that Belma could potentially lend itself to in the future if it does take off, if and when. Yeah, I mean, to me, being that um, this is the only style I've really had it in, although I'm not sure Wabasha's was a New England style, but, um, you know, kind of that, that hop forward beer seems to lend itself to. I mean, um, part of brewing is just experimenting. I could see using it in like a cream ale or something like that. If you wanted to, you know, a lot of people like the kind of strawberry cream ale or some kind of, you know, flavor profile like that, that maybe you could achieve just with the hop variety versus having to use actual fruit or, you know, using both and kind of playing off each other. I could see that for sure. No, this is a great beer, Ben. I I really enjoy this one. Um, This is one I tried for the first time, probably like, yeah, about two years ago now. Um, I think when it came out, but, uh, I guess the thing I come back to with this one, cause it's sometimes it's easy for hazies that I've tried to kind of just run together, you know, yeah. eventually it's like after a while I get kind of hazied out or something, but it's the, the mouthfeel on this particular beer really stands out to me. And I, it's something I try probably weekly off the tap 
just at work. It's a but little fresher. Even trying it out of a can, it still holds up out of a can. I I don't I maybe have a can of psychedelic haze once every two months, you know what I mean? But I'm trying it off the tap every day. So I was just excited to see how it was gonna vary, but I must say it, it still holds up. Well yeah, and these cans are actually from July ninth. Um and I'm very pleasantly surprised with how this is held up. It's very tasty. I mean, these beers tend to fall off quicker than most because yeah. they're all about that hop aroma and flavor. Um, and so this is uh, this is tasting very good right now. But um, this beer has come a long way from when you tasted it two years ago, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's been a lot of trial and error with me figuring out um, just getting this recipe right. And fortunately, I'm allowed to do that at Bald Man, which is, which is great. Nice. They give me kind of that creative freedom to just do what I want to do with, with my recipes. So uh, yeah. where I'm at with this now is where I want to be, where I kind of always envisioned it. So it seems like there's a lot of trust in you in the, in the brewery. Like they, it's kind of just, they realize the talent there and they're like, all right, let the, let the madman do his thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, they, um, I've always been a hop head and Tristan, um, while he likes hops, he's never been kind of his, you know, he, he tends to go for, you know, like Tupelo Honey, his flagship brown ale, and things like that. But uh, while being a lover of beers, he just kind of never really experimented with, with brewing hoppy beers. And so it's kind of fit well with that, that I, I tend to gravitate towards those types of beers. And being that New England styles were kind of the trendy thing to do, um, I figured it couldn't hurt to try to develop one. And it's worked out very well for the brewery. And so it's led to... Other things like the ALS, um, you know, charity beer that we just did, which Another is on tap beer. now. Great beer. Um, yeah, and um, the next one we're gonna we're gonna can and juice box, so I'm excited for that. That's nice. gonna be exciting. I was around for when we got shown the the can labels for it. Those Very are cool. Pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah. super cool. Very cool. No, I think going back to what you were saying about you and Tristan's styles comparatively you know, being different, I think there's something to be said about having a team around you that build up your weaknesses, you know, and I think that's something that we've done well in the brewery. Cause you know, just like you said, he's not where you are in your palate and vice versa. So and that's, that's why we make a good team. Right. And for those out there who don't, aren't familiar, Tristan is the, the bald man himself, the head brewer co-owner of bald man. So, uh, he gives me a lot of great opportunities and I always appreciate that for sure. So, Good team, yeah, absolutely. So, what was the some what was some of the big evolutions of this beer? Because I mean, we were all three obviously around for the the big one with the the new biohop, correct? If we can talk about that, yeah, we can talk about that. Um, I would say it kind of if you're talking about just kind of keeping it to three evolutions, you I'd say you know I started by brewing ten gallon batches, did a few test batches, um, turned out really well. We decided to go for it on our 20-barrel system, which 20 barrels is 620 gallons. So you're going from 10 to 620. It's a big leap. Big um, difference. This yeah. beer is expensive to make. so um, And to be honest, that first batch didn't turn out very well at all. Um, my um, numbers from, as far as, um, without getting too nerdy, hop utilization. So when you boil hops, you get a certain amount of bitterness from a conversion of alpha acids to iso alphas just by boiling and that's bitterness at least one part of bitterness in a beer 
uh, and my utilization numbers from the pilot system were way off on the big system. And so it came out way too bitter. Um, people still enjoyed it, but it wasn't what I wanted. And so that kind of started the first evolution of changing things up, more late, late edition hops. Um, and then to where it's at now, where I'm doing, like you said, uh, bio hopping, which is just um, active fermentation dry hopping. So um, during the fermentation process, I'm adding hops to the fermenter, which the yeast then interacts with and uh, creates chemical change known as biotransformation, which is essentially just uh, changing the chemical compounds of the hops to give it um, different aromas, uh, different flavors, which in New England styles is a fairly popular technique. Um, and then I also started doing water additions in terms of salt content. So uh, chloride and sulfate levels in order to bring out uh, hop aroma and mouthfeel. So I was able to start doing both of those things recently, which has really taken this beer to the level that, that I would like it to be at. So That's super cool, man. It's I, I love hearing people geek out about their own beers. And that's like... We want that to be okay on this show. Like, yeah, we I've, we've told people before. I think you know, on and off mic, that it's okay to give your beer a five star review. Um, well, so you just brew what you want to what you want to drink. Yeah, you know, and it's you know, it's also cool to be to be um, humble and modest. That's also very appropriate. I'm not trying to knock that whatsoever, but it's just fun to hear you like talk about the process with such. Uh, passion as you just had and like your your hat says it all too like everything starts at the farms man like it's uh you know he's a true hophead this isn't uh this isn't a front like you're doing it on oh, in uh this hat goes back to my grandfather my dad's dad this is his old hat uh he's since passed away many years ago but he was a farmer and so this was a hat that he always wore and that i said you know that's what i want when that's he passed away it's like the one thing that in all his pictures you see him in he's got this hat on and so uh, it just means a lot, especially now in my line of work. So kind well, of all circle back. Yeah, mm -hmm. man. What a cool, what a cool little relic. Mm -hmm. That's Absolutely. awesome, man. So do you think you have the recipe pretty zeroed in now? I mean, it's, we're all critics of our own work very harshly, obviously, but do you think that right now this is just the best this beer has ever been? Cause for me, it for sure is. I do. Um, and I am, a perfectionist I'm my harshest critic um to the point where sometimes I gotta just be like all right you know it's good man you don't yeah. gotta stop messing with it but especially in brewing which is one of the reasons I enjoy brewing is that's that's part of the fun and part of what you do is developing recipes figuring out better ways to do things but yes uh, in short I am very happy with where this beer is now it's it's very good very happy how much research would you say in or just time in developing the recipe for this or any one of your other beers usually does it take you does this one take you quite longer um i mean in terms of where it started when i started brewing it at work to where it is now yeah it took a while but um it kind of became my baby at the brewery so just figuring out let me try this, see what that does. Let me try this, you know, trying different things. Um, but recipe development in general, if I just have an idea um, that I want to brew something, you know, 
it depends on if I brewed that style before, but you know, you just kind of, um, I've been drinking good beer for years and all sorts of styles and studying beer. Um, and just kind of knowing what, what different styles, um, you know, utilize as far as ingredients and flavor profile and aroma and ABV and those kinds of things. So it just depends on your knowledge of that. And then you just will put together a recipe, you know, you kind of follow a certain style guideline and, and adhere to that. Or if you don't, you kind of take that and then, and then run with it a little bit and make it your own a little. So it just depends on where you want to go. I mean, right now I'm, I'm working on developing a Goza for the brewery, which will be our first sour. Um, we and so that's a completely system. new thing for me. I've never brewed one uh, at home or at work. And so I'm really enjoying the process of researching that and, and figuring out the, the techniques and the things that I need to do to make that beer, um, you know, good from day one when I, when I brew it. So, Yeah, I don't think anybody has any doubts that that beer is going to come out fantastic. Obviously, I'm a little biased. You put any sour in front of me. Well, most any sours, I'm going to enjoy it, but... I have I have high hopes that this one is gonna blow most people away. So yeah, I'm excited for it. Again, it's uh, something very new, so I like that. As brewing, it's just probably the the biggest thing that attracted me to it is the creative, um, creative ability. You know, you get to take something from nothing and and make it your own. So that's yeah. awesome. And it's just a whole new challenge for you too. Like yeah. you said, never have done it enough. Absolutely. I still love how we just had to keep poking Tristan every single day about it. Like, come on, dude. Let's do it. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah, and then, you know, what, a month ago or something, he shocked us, and I was like, let's let's go ahead and do that. That was arguably one of the top five days in my last year. <laughs> <laughs> I love to hear that, though. Like, you know, uh, someone like Tristan, who's a, a fantastic brewer that's really got mm-hmm. some traditional styles dialed down, just like being willing to, uh, you know, listening to some of his, you know, young brew staff and try something adventurous. Like, I think that's, that's the cool thing is, um, you know, you feel like you're in a place where they give you some creative freedom, you know? Yeah. I love it. Um, I really do. I don't take it for granted at all because it's not something that you get at a lot of breweries. Yeah. Um, that kind of creative say and ability to, to have your hand in all aspects of, brewing you know i'm not just a brewer there i'm also a sellerman and package person and you know we do everything together as a team so it's it's fun in that regard instead of just going in and you know making wort and then going home at the end of the day i get to kind of do a little bit of everything but um it's good yeah we 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 touched on something like that actually last week on last week's episode but it i think there's something truly tremendous to be said about working for some place that truly believes in you and gives you a bit of a leash to do you because they realize that there is value in letting you just do your thing, you know, because that's why they brought you on in the first place. Mm-hmm. Also, did we mention this? Were you the first inaugural hire at Baldman? Is that is that fact? That is true. Yes. Yes. I was uh, way overdressed for my interview. Um <laughs> But, you know, I was Full suit n- minus the jacket, but nice. I was, you know, tie and dress shoes, pants, all the. Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm from Egan uh, and I was very excited for the opportunity to get a job at a brewery in my hometown, especially because I had applied at many and hadn't heard anything from anyone. So it was uh, it was almost like the stars aligned. It was just kind of meant to be, you know, right. bide my time and keep keep grinding and putting in applications and resumes with places. And then, you know, Natalie and Dan 
interviewed me and like I said, I was way overdressed, but uh, we had a good interview and it worked out well and I got hired to pour beers and within about a week, um, I wasn't working at the time. I was studying for my Cicerone exam and I just bugged Tristan to help him. Let me come in and just do whatever you need to do, you know, whatever you need help with. And he let me do that for a week. And after that first week, he hired me back there and I bartended and, and worked in the back and eventually kind of shifted to mostly production. Interesting. I had no idea that you initially started off as a bartender. Mm -hmm. I thought you were straight on straight from the get go in the on the brew staff. No, hired as a beer tender, and um, Tristan was by himself back there, and Oof. so I, I knew he would need help, and so I just kind of stepped in like, hey, anything you need, let me come in, let me let me push grain around, let me do whatever you need me to do, and That's we had so long cool. days um, for, well, a while, but that first week, I mean, we were there probably 15 hours a day, 16 hours a day. You know, back before we really had all our processes dialed in and, and everything, and I was brand new to it, so I didn't know what I was doing. And, um, yeah, it was it was fun. Well, it's fair to say you've really worked your way up to where you're at now in the last four years. Yeah, absolutely. But speaking of right now, uh, Psychedelic Hazy IPA, Ben's own beer. Yeah. What are we giving it on the old Suds Buds? You're familiar with the five-star yeah, scale. Yeah, the five-star yeah, rating. You know how we do. Uh, I suppose we can, maybe we shouldn't start with Ben. That might be unfair since it's his beer. Let's start with Dustin and go down the line. Ugh. This, uh, are you wearing a weightlifting belt too? You, you noticed, you know, yeah. Uh, I was planning on doing some front squats in the middle of the show just to try to really work out the energy. Yeah. She keeps it tight. Keep the core tight. Saw it earlier and then just like totally forgot and re-saw it right now and was like, oh yeah, he's still got that on. He's yep. My abdomen <laughs> is sweating currently. It's tight. Just a big old chunk of leather just sitting yeah. across your stomach for yeah. hours. Um, This beer has a, a special place in my heart. It was, I actually remember, oh, it was some goofy meeting we had, like right as I had got hired about processes and not sticking your hand in acid, you know, stupid stuff. And uh yeah, the important stuff. stuff. <laughs> and uh yeah, I remember this was this was just first thing I poured and even before that coming to the brewery, it was always the beer that I gravitated towards. And it's been nice seeing the evolution of it and I love it where it's at right now. I don't do this very often. I think maybe once, maybe. Psychedelic Haze gets a five star. A five star from Dustin. Wow. I love it, man. Yeah. It, I think it competes with the best. Well, that means a lot. It's probably why I like you so much, Ben, is you make the juice. I mean, that's understandable. Yeah. I'll take that. You make my life better day by day. Put me in kind of a weird place. I don't want to get beat up by Ben now. That's a, that's a very I'm high a, bar to I'm a nonviolent person, man. Uh, let's see. Where do I start? I, I also love this beer. Um was not the first hazy IPA I tried, but definitely is the one I've had the most of. Yeah. Just by default, I'm constantly doing, I guess, what I call quality control, but I'm more or less, you know, just... You gotta make sure the product's there. Hey, I always encourage our staff to do that. Yeah, it's... Know? And like you said, it varies, you know, especially since I've been there, you know, a while I can... 
I can see where it's 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 gone, you know, and it's it's cool to be able to to see those tweaks and those changes, especially like we were talking with the Young American Pale Ale earlier. Like that's mm-hmm. another beer that's had a little journey as far as the recipe is concerned. So, uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to get too much into the weeds on this one, but all all that being said, uh, psychedelic haze New England IPA. I'm gonna give it a four point two. That's a good score. It's an 84 out of 100. Yeah, no, it is a good score. And it's one like, I'm excited to uh, to try it out of a can because I've like, I, I don't have a lot of cans of this beer. I try it on oh, tap all the time. A little bit there, brother? Oh, yeah, I got you. Thanks, friend. Um, But I don't know. It is, it is nice to know that this is one that's always around. It's close. I don't have to seek it out. I can have it on tap weekly if I'd like. Um, I'm yeah. so happy you guys don't make shit beer. It's a solid beverage. Me too. I'd be so disappointed if I had to drink shit beer every day. I mean, that's kind of one of my biggest concerns coming into a brewery was, okay, I got hired. Please let their beer be good. Right, yeah. Because, you know, I'm particular, so. Fair. What was the first beer that blew your mind away? Sorry, not to track you, sidetrack you from your score, but I just kind of want to know. Uh, The first beer that blew my mind, we'll, we'll probably be getting to it later. So we could talk about Bingo. that in a bit. Cool. We'll save it. But uh, my rating on my own beer. Um, I'm not one to throw out five stars, so let's just start there. I'm not going to give it a five star. Um, so you're calling your child not perfect. Yes. Nice. No one's perfect. You're a realist. Um, I do love this beer. I'm very happy with where this beer's at these days. Um, I drink the hell out of it at work, in the cans. Um very proud to, to bring this places, have people try it. Um, you know, it, I really get that the nice kind of mango, citrus aromas, flavor profile. I'm really happy with the mouthfeel on this beer. Um, I've gotten to a point where, where brewing this is very consistent. Uh, this beer turns out pretty much the same every time I make it now, which, which I'm thrilled about. Nice. Um, so I'm going to give this a four and a half. Nice. Out Great of five. Review. I love to drink it. Uh, it makes me happy. So <laughs> that's that's uh, that's what beer's here for. It's it should make you feel happy. You know, you shouldn't be sad drinking a beer. And if you are, that beer should make you feel happier. I guess that's my PSA. Right? This is you know, beer's an adult beverage. Twenty one plus. Please remember to drink responsibly. All that. Just getting pissed off as you're taking your sips. <laughs> <laughs> This beer sucks. Beer sucks. Just swigging more of it back. Keep yeah. drinking. Well, that gave me a really funny image. <laughs> I'm glad it did. We're glad you like your own beer, Ben, because we we enjoy it. It's it's solid. It's delicious. Appreciate um, that. But uh, why don't we take a quick little break and then uh, we can crack in to the next beer that you brought us and then take things back to the very beginning All before right. you were oh. into beer. All right. Yeah, I'm excited for this next beer. All right, we'll be right back with Ben Hebel on Suds Buds. What's up, Suds Buds? What's up, everybody? We're back on Suds Buds with Ben from Bald Man. We just wrapped up drinking the Psychedelic Haze Pale New England IPA. Excuse me. Um, good scores across the board. Yeah, man. No complaints with that. Um, what's this next one that I'm, I'm currently opening, Ben? Uh, I'm excited for this. 
um, because this is a real deal Belgian goose. Um, something that I kind of got spoiled on. Not particularly this one, although I've drinking plenty of this one. Uh, when I first started getting into sour beers back in the day, um, Belgian Lambics, Goose, Flanders Reds, Oud Bruins, things like that. All the traditional Belgian sours were my jam. So, um, we're taking it back for you guys who, who like sours, especially Dusty over there. Um, he's a sour guy. So we're going to kind of expand your, your mind and your palate with this one. Um, so Goose is, um, an old school Belgian style of beer, uh, mostly unmalted wheat and then aged hops. Uh, they don't really want bitterness from hops, but they want preservatives. Uh, hops are a preservative. So they want to kind of preserve the beer because it's going to sit for a long time before they're releasing it. Um, it is a blend typically of one, two, and three-year-old Lambic, uh, unfruited, that they blend together. The young is going to add that yeast uh, for further fermentation in the bottle. Okay. Uh, and the older is going to add a little more character. And you're going to kind of get a harmonious um, blend in each bottle. And what I really enjoy about lambic in general is the art form sure uh, brewing is very much a science but it's also an art and this these types of beers really bring out that art form because it's all about blending it's all about what are you tasting what are you smelling um and making a collection of spontaneously fermented barrels into one product interesting well i'm excited to dive in cheers and thank you ben cheers absolutely um i think this is one that's worth maybe doing a little uh uh deeper review on i know we've kind of gotten away from doing uh you know a lot of notes on the nose of beers and things of that nature but i can tell this is going to be a a complex one that deserves a conversation um i snuck in a sip before you guys did and it's it's all good um straight from the streets of lambia so this bottle is four and a half years old it was bottled in april of 2016 um and all lambic undergoes a bottle conditioning period at the brewery itself before it's released so we can presume that this beer is probably at minimum six years old in the bottle and then that doesn't even count the fermentation time in the barrel which with spontaneous beers that can be a a wild card wow Um, but it gives them all the characters, you know, all the characteristics that you're going to get in this glass. You know, it's not just acidic. It's got a ton of character. That's the word I was looking for is acidic. I was like, there's, there's some weird tinge going on in my mouth right now when I'm drinking it. Yeah. It's very highly acidic. I'm liking it. And four years sitting in a corked bottle. And I mean, there is, I'm just looking at this right now. I mean, there's all kinds of movement going on with bubbles. I mean, this is very much still alive, right, Ben? Goose is a is a highly carbonated beer. Okay. Uh, for the, for the lambic style, whereas most fruited lambics are going to be next to flat, not necessarily flat, but way less carbonation. Goose is like the one exception in the lambic family where it's highly carbonated. It's unfruited, but typically you're going to get those kind of lemon notes. If you're going to pick up a fruit, it's going to be typically like a lemon, sure. and that can be from the the lactic acid um, during fermentation, but. What you get with these beers is, you know, you're brewing a, a beer that's mostly wheat, um, and then you're 
you know, at Baldman, we have a, a heat exchanger, right, to cool wort from boiling to fermentation temperature into a fermenter. So it's a modern technology that can take wort from boiling to fermentation temperature pretty much instantly. Um, these types of beers are going to be cooled with what's called a cool ship. And so it's a shallow, wide vessel that when you're done boiling, um, you're going to send it over there and it's going to go in and it's going to be exposed to the night air. So whether that's on the roof, whether it's in a room with windows open um, and, you know, the temperature's got to be right outside. You can't brew this on a day like this. It's not going to cool right. Sure. So the window for brewing beers like this is small. You brew a lot. You put them in barrels and you see what you get down the road. Um, Interesting. But uh, that cool ship cools it and it also inoculates it with any of the wild yeast and bacteria that's in the air. So the the uh, Seine River Valley in, in Belgium was known for their cherry orchards and and uh, various mm. fruits that would, would supply a, a plethora of wild yeast and bacteria to the air. Sure. And so these breweries started doing this a long time ago and figuring out that, you know, there's about roughly a hundred types give or take of bacteria and yeast that um are inoculating these beers and and giving them this characteristic that you're tasting now interesting um, but instead of a traditional brewery pitching yeast or pitching a combination of yeast and bacteria into their beer for fermentation they are allowing it to just happen naturally which is spontaneous uh fermentation right so Everything's coming in. They don't really know exactly what they have. They know where they are in in the world and kind of what their environment has over time of making beers like this. Um, and once they're done cooling, you know, which takes, I don't know, a period of a day or so to cool down to fermentation temperature, it goes into a barrel Yeah. and it starts fermenting at its own pace. Okay. Some barrels will start fermenting right away. Others might take a little longer. Um, and then in the... The case of uh, fruited lambic down the road, you're going to add some fruit, uh, which is going to create further fermentation, um, and change the whole dynamic of that of that beer. But you know, you really get to where these breweries are like ecosystems. You know, sure. they're they're dirty, they're moldy, they have spiders, you know, living that eat flies that try to get in. So they're very different than modern breweries that are very clean, sanitary areas. You know, when you go Their presentations, everything when you go and in, in, and I've never been to Belgium, but I would love to go. And it's not just Belgium, but breweries that brew these traditional beers. You know, if there's mold over there, that's that stays there. You yeah. Know? If there's a, a spider over there, that spider serves a purpose for the whole environment. Sure. Um, to to keep their their stuff uh, where they want it. So it's a it's very much just a different world. That's so crazy. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, just from like the sounds of that, I remember the first time you had elaborated on that a few months prior. I mean, just by that alone, that's probably the coolest style of brewing I've ever heard of. That's badass. That's why I gravitated to these beers back in the day and still love them. Um, you know, I used to trade beer with people all over the world, um, and these were always kind of... Cantillon, Brassieri Cantillon is kind of the the quintessential what what all the beer nerds know. 
Um, they are a brewery in Brussels. They make fabulous lambic, fabulous goose, um, family tradition, you know, doing very, very cool things, but it's damn near impossible to find their beer these days. I mean, you're either trading for it or you're ordering it online and you're getting lucky if you're ordering it online. So when I first started getting into these, I remember buying bottles of their stuff off the shelf here, which you can't do anymore. And really developed a love for it and then started uh, trading for them yeah. and, and trying. And I, I've, you know, I've probably tried 15 of their different beers. Uh, my pinnacle being their blueberry sour, blueberry lambic, which is super rare. You know, they, they make it when they can. And when they do, they make it maybe two to 300 bottles a year if they oh, make man. it. So that beer cost me a lot. A lot of money. Oof, but, I bet. Uh, I don't regret it at all. It was it was awesome. That's pretty cool. Well, I'm glad you're uh, you know you're trying this one with us because yeah. this is fantastic. And I mean, just a lot going on. Like right away, I almost if you would have just had me smell this blind, and I was almost smelling like things that were reminiscent of like a hefeweizen. And maybe that just is coming from like the yeast or something. But it was like. Smell was completely different than taste. And again, maybe I fried my palate drinking a, a banana stout earlier before this, but... Uh, oh, yes, please. Uh, yeah. I was all over that. But does not taste like a half at all. I mean, it's definitely... I'm getting the... Picking up lemon, maybe a little bit of apple. Yeah, that was Absolutely. what I was thinking was apple. Yep. But yeah, nice and tart, nice and crisp. Um, that acidity, like, blew me away what you were talking as, about as someone who's had this beer many times and different ages and stuff this is incredible how well this beer holds up in a bottle you know six percent alcohol um and you know four and a half years later it's still highly carbonated effervescent very lemony very apple like you say uh funky but not overwhelming not mm-hmm. vinegar like you know vinegar is one of those things that is a no-no you know, sure. other than small amounts and maybe a Flanders Red, um, something like that. But generally, you don't want that flavor, but it can develop over time in a beer like this. And this has none of that. As somebody who likes they just mouth-puckering sourness, I can appreciate what they did here with toning back the sourness and let letting the other flavors come through more so and not just drowning those flavors out. Yeah, it's a balance, right? And that's what always kind of um, rubbed me the wrong way about a lot of the kettle sours that Americans produce. Um, And it's not just Americans, but, you know, I'm in Minnesota, so that's kind of my perspective. But kettle sours are just um, typically a lot of the times, you know, acetic, not acetic acid, but lactic acid sour. Um, you know, and, and that's really it. And that's okay if you can, you know, brew it properly and, and, and make one that's drinkable and not just overwhelmingly sour and, and acidic. But this style you're dealing with, like I said, you know, roughly a hundred types of yeast and bacteria that are fermenting this. So you can deal with all sorts of different things that could make this go wrong. And they might, might have barrels that are way sour and then some that aren't and that's where the art of the blending comes in right is they're tasting all these barrels and they're saying hmm you know if we take these and these and these and blend them we're gonna get this and that's what they do oh i didn't even think of that so is there 
places in the United States that do this sort of open fermentation Absolutely. process? Oh, that's badass. Absolutely. Um, Allagash Brewing in Maine, one of my mm-hmm. favorite breweries in the world. Uh, they do fantastic beers. They have a cool ship. And so they do, you know, Lambic style or, mm. you know, you can't call it a Lambic unless it's from that region. But that style, cool ship, spontaneous fermentation, see what happens, blending. And they're not the only ones. They're just one of the prime examples of someone who does it very well. Um, even Fair State locally, they don't have a cool ship to my knowledge, but they do some cool um, barrel-aged sours. I know Wild Mind, uh, they, do, they have a cool ship. They do stuff like that, um, but you don't find it a lot. It's a it's a kind of a painstaking process that can yeah. cost a lot of money if you don't know what you're doing. And most of the time, you're not going to know what you're doing until you do it and, okay. and experiment and kind of dial things in and take notes and and figure out what you know what your environment has um, as far as yeast goes and bacteria and what's going on in the air. And you can manipulate that. There are breweries that. I believe Allagash has like an orchard on property where they can kind of manipulate the the yeast and the bacteria in the air by planting peaches and and these other cherries and other fruits. Very Um, cool. Jester King down in Austin, Texas does a similar thing uh, where they have planted fields of of fruit trees and things like that that will inoculate their beer and then they'll use the fruit in their beer. So, uh, and they make some awesome sours. So. I know you said you pride yourself on being able to replicate psychedelic haze almost to a T now when you're brewing it. So would brewing something like this just drive you absolutely nuts because it's so like, fickle, it seems like. You just don't know. You could have one bad day and ruin the whole process. Yeah, but this is like my pinnacle, like what I would like to experience, you know, because right. the brewing of this is one thing. You know, it, that's pretty easy. You know, you're just taking unmalted wheat and and probably a percentage of of barley and um doing a normal mash uh laudering like normal and then you might do a shorter boil because you don't really need to do that other than to sterilize a little bit and then you're adding um old hops so what they do in these beers is take whole cone hops and then put them in burlap sacks that get aerated so they don't get moldy and they let them sit and they age generally about three years is when they consider them good that all pretty much all the the bittering components to these is gone and you're still getting the um antimicrobial preservative uh effect from hops is which is what they use them for so it's just a very different way of doing things and it's to me it's something i would love to learn love to see done and know you know get to experience that um but it's you know also something that I can just grab off the shelf and enjoy still. And Hansen's, which this is, Hansen's Artisanal. I'm not sure if it's Hansen's or Hansen's, but I've always said Hansen's. They're not Cantillon. They're not uh, Dre Fontenin, uh, which is another Lambic brewery in Brussels. Um, but they are awesome, and you can still find them on the shelf. And That's I love so that. cool. I-, I love that, too, because, I mean, it's... Um... I guess maybe wine's a better example for me because I haven't had a lot of super, super rare limited beers. Like if I'm talking like the most expensive bottle of beer I've ever tried, it's probably that uh, the Sam Adams Utopias where it's like it's an expensive beer, but it's 
you can find it. It's just, are you willing to pay the, you know, 300 or whatever mm-hmm. dollar price tag? Um, it's super cool to like try something and then be able to still go to your, you know, a, a store and be able to find it. And like, I've had wines before where people have given it to me, like gifted it to me and it's fantastic. And then I'm, I look up the price point and I'm first of all disappointed that they would give me something like that. And then disappointed because I'm not going to go out and pay that amount on that bottle of wine for myself, you know? So it's cool to have those beers that are like in your back pocket that you can whip out for a special occasion. Like I'm thinking of this would be a great like evening post dinner beer be phenomenal or something for an occasion to sit down with like a couple friends like we are now. Yeah. But, uh, I, I mean, think it's it's in that nice like medium where it's it's got that class but also th- that accessibility. Well, and you talk about price point, and they do make a bottle that's twice this big in a seven fifty as well. But you talk about like this bottle is ten dollars. Yeah. Okay. So beer is so cheap. People think beer is like oh I'm gonna go pay twenty dollars a four pack or whatever for this. It's cheap. Yeah. When you're talking about the best product, you know. Right. So if I can go to a store and buy this bottle for $10 for the best product I can find of this style of beer, that's a steal, right? Like you go buy the best bottle of wine or the best bottle of whiskey. 60, 70, 120. Yeah, you're talking about very expensive. And so beer is is very approachable for the best of the best. Although, you know, sometimes you get breweries who... Um, you know, we'll charge a hundred or something for a bottle and that's their prerogative. And generally the beer is, is pretty good. Um, but stuff like this, you can find, like, I know where there's more of this and I'll just go buy more for $10 or buy the, the cherry, uh, Creek net right next to it on the shelf for the same price. And it's accessible and it's the best of the best. And you, you know, you don't have to break the bank to, to try it. So I think that's one of the great things about beer that, Yes, I think people in the beer world get, um, oh, it's so expensive, and $20 for that, and 30 for that, and really, that's not expensive for an alcohol. It's a luxury product, right? It's not a, it's not a necessity. You're choosing to do that, and right. to me, that's a very affordable luxury. Well, I think with most people being domestic beer drinkers, too, and they're so used to being able to go and picking up a 30 rack of Bud Light Mm -hmm. for, you know, less than $20. And then they're just looking at more quantity over quality, which I mean, that is literally what craft is. It's, it's quality much to what you were saying. The best of the best. Absolutely. Well, yeah, it's again, uh, what are you going to do with it? You know, the people that knock it because of its price point. Oh, well, it's not realistic for me to drink 12 of them in my backyard while the Vikings are playing with my friends. And it's like, yeah, but there's another beer for that. This is something you sit down, you enjoy with a conversation, maybe for your fantasy football draft, you have one of them and it blows your mind about what beer is, you know, I can drink hams with the best of them too, but you know, these beers have a specific point. Like you're saying, you know, every, every, every alcoholic beverage really has that kind of spot. Yeah. In your life, whatever you like, you know, whether it's beer, wine or your spirits or some combination of those, you have your people and you have your moments where this type of beer is going to be just what you what you ordered, you know, so. Hey, man, who knows? Maybe if you got tracksuit balling out Ben out there, maybe they'll show out two hundred dollars and get a 30 rack of these. You know? Maybe, man. <laughs> 
Although I'd, if the I'd like to right. keep this around for us to drink, you know. Oh, yeah, man, the people who would genuinely appreciate it. It's tasty stuff. We're gonna have to talk about your uh, your your pickup spots because I might have to track down yeah. some of this. Yeah, absolutely. One question I'm super interested about before we get into the ratings and the inevitably pushed back uh, story of your beer background. We'll throw that into the the final segment. Yeah, the yeah. Ben's origin story will be enjoyed over our last beer. Well, this cool. might end up just being a really quick question because I might just get shit on. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> the open fermentation or spontaneous fermentation process you were talking about. Could you lend that beer process to other styles of beer other mm. than just Lambic styles? Sure. Mm. In fact, um, this was how places, how, how breweries cooled their, their wort for centuries. You know, I mean, before modern technology, um, Anchor Steam, very well-known uh, brewery in San Francisco, uh, they kind of pioneered the cool ship, right? That's how they cooled all their beer. Uh, the steam, the, I don't know if this story is true, but the, the, the legend goes that they got their name because of the steam that rose off the roof of their building when they were cooling their wort in the evenings. Um, and so, yes, you can you can cool wort that way and keep it clean. It's just difficult. Um, and it was the way that, that breweries did it for centuries. You know, until until modern technology was invented to be able to cool it rapidly um, and and uh, sanitarily. So yes, you can you can make anything you want really in a, in that style. It's just about experimentation and seeing what happens. Phenomenal beer too is uh, is Anchor Steam. Yeah, really tasty. It's a quintessential you know California common. I mean, it is where the name comes from for that style of beer. Yep. So. Can't say I've ever had. I wasn't even aware of a California Common. I think I brought that one. Um, I, I thought it was you for some reason, but I think it was Nate maybe. Um, we were talking about Nate earlier. We work with Nate, but uh, brought that in one time on a shift just as like a, a, a shifty beers we'll do sometimes. We'll bring in like a favorite of one of ours. And I just explained it. I'm like, this is nothing rare. This is like, I had it for the first time ever in California. I stumbled across it at Total Wine and was like, oh, I haven't tried this in like years. I got to try this again. You know, I'm like, it's not hard to track down. It's not expensive. It's just really, really good. It's like, uh, you know, what Sierra Nevada is to to hops. These guys are just like a really nice West Coast lager. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Interesting. I'll have to try to track that down. Yeah, it won't be hard. Maybe we'll do that for a pre-show beer one of these days. That'd be sweet. We have so much backlogged beer that we need to crack through. But That being said, send your beer to, to Suds Buds. If there's something you want us to drink or plug on the show, give our, our two cents on. Uh, hit us up on your the, address. The, yeah, the Gmail and the bio. Uh, I'll give out my address. They can send it to my place. <laughs> we'll have fans. Picket fences. Yeah, we'll drink your beer. But, uh, yeah, speaking of drinking beer... What do we think of this one we just had right now? The uh, the the ode, uh, Goza, Goose, Goose, Goose. Not yes. to be confused with the German Goza, Goza style. Okay. See, yes. and this is what I didn't want to get checked on. You know, it's okay. I'm. It is okay. I'm open to being proved we're, wrong we're learning. Every, every week on this show. Life's about being better. Yes. Uh, who do we want to start with on this one? Maybe maybe we'll go with you, Ben. Just you want me to yeah. start on this one? Yeah, we'll reverse the order. So I mean. You never really know what you're going to get when you pop open a bottle of Goose or Lambic, especially when it's been sitting on a shelf of a liquor store for several years. 
um, dust-covered bottle. Uh, I am so pleasantly surprised and happy, not surprised, but happy with this beer. It has all the characteristics I look for in a goose. Um, bit of funk, not overwhelming, that lemon, that apple, um, a bit of kind of just barnyard, you know, grassiness to it, hay, um, nice color, good carbonation that held up in the bottle. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to give this a 4-1 out of 5. Strong score. Yeah. Less than psychedelic. Less than psycho, but I'm grading it on the style, and I've had better, but this is very good. It's very, very good. Eric, would you like to go next? Sure. Um. Oh man. I'm I'm f- I'm fighting give throwing out the whole five star here Ooh. on this one, and here's why. It's because I've had a lot of sours, but I haven't done a ton of sours this summer. Um just hasn't been my my go-to style that i've been snagging when i'm out and about which also isn't as often this summer um so puts me in a weird place because is it the best sour i've had this summer yeah probably is it the best sour i've ever had no so i'm in this weird dilemma where i'm like i just want to get another one my hands on another one of these bottles you know because it's nice and i'm feeling it but it's like then I'm like also thinking about going back to old favorites. So I'm in a weird place, but I think here's where I'm going to fall. It's okay to have a lot of favorites. Yeah, I mean, there's, just, there's so much Definitely. good beer out there. It's, inco- it's okay to enjoy a lot of things. So for that reason alone, I'll, I'll throw it at a five just because I'm my man, super into it, super fortunate that you brought it by, and it's just, yeah, it's just hitting, hitting all the, the boxes. Yeah. I'll have to I'll have to echo that. I'm not sure about a five, but right when uh, I mean the lemon, the apple that was that was coming through very heavily for me. Um, just the the acidic nature of it too. That was something I was not prepared for. I feel like I am more attuned to a lot of more uh, like American style sours. Like obviously, you know, I love Omni's Lime Goes, Falling Knives, Lime Kolsch, like all. All excellent beers. Well, lime kolsch isn't a sour, but it's fairly tart. Um, I think we'll go four eight on this one. This is really good. I would for sure buy. I would stock bottles of this beer, and age it just to see what happens. It's better than Cascades as well. You tried Cascade stuff, Ben? I've had a lot of Cascade stuff, but it's hard to compare them to a traditional lambic Belgian brewery because yeah. Cascade does really good barrel aged sours. They have a Sang Noir. I've had a lot of Cascades beers, and they do they do it well. They're just they're very. Again, we go back to cost. They're expensive on the spectrum of of those types of beers. Yeah. For what you're gonna get, because a lot of the times, they're in seven fifties. You know, mm. you're not gonna drink one of those yourself. You gotta have people to split it with. Challenge accepted. I take it, huh? But Cascade makes very good beers, for sure. Yeah. I I think this is, I mean, I would, if it was a hot, humid day like today and I had to pick one or the other, I'm going with this one. It was so perfect for just the kind of night we have tonight, which we're all in here. You know, I'm looking at the beads of sweat rolling us all off all of us. It's uh, dripping sweat in a weightlifting belt. (laughs) Yeah, you've still got that thing on. That's commitment, too. Ridiculous. Just on brand. 
All right. That's a crumbles thing to do right there. <laughs> Dusty crumbles. You never know what you get. Well, I'm happy you guys like this because I didn't know what to expect from you two, but I was, I was like, this is definitely what I'm bringing because, you know, we need to get you guys a, a goose. I feel like you could have been fairly confident on what I like because you, you and the entire brew staff have kind of steered my palate towards what it is currently because you shat on what it was initially I, and uh, then reworked it. I don't know if I shat on your your palate. I like to think that I just kind of helped develop it along the way of, okay, you like that? How mm. about you try this? That's fair. All you right. know? That's the much nicer I don't, way I don't of want it. I don't want to shit on anyone's uh, palate. It's their own palate, but I might make suggestions for things for you to try. Oh, you like that? You should try this. You know? We'll go with that. It'd be like he's here to educate. Yeah, yeah. We all need education. I needed education. I still need education. When it comes Absolutely to beer. no. That's why we, part of the reason I love doing the show is just getting to learn new stuff each week and be introduced to delicious, tasty foamers like you just brought us today. Yeah, so absolutely. We'll see what he says when we're sitting at the bench on Thursday having a beer. <laughs> Might change that up a little bit. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, guys. It's been fun drinking this one. Um, good reviews across the board. We're going to come back uh, after just a short little break with a final segment. Uh, I know we kind of pushed it off, but we're going to figure out Ben's origin story as we drink one final beer. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, scary. We'll be right back <laughs> on Suds Buds. What is up, everybody? We are back on Suds Buds. We got Ben Hebel here in studio with us tonight. We just got done drinking two very different, but I must say delicious beers. Real tasty ones. And I hope we're going to close it out with a big hitter here. We'll find out. But uh, the next beer that we're cracking, Ben, what is it? Town Hall Brewing, uh, Washington Avenue, Minneapolis. They have a couple other locations now, but this is the original. Um, this is their Masala Mama IPA. So this is one of their flagship beers, West Coast IPA, a beer that really, really changed my uh, beer life, to be honest. And that's not really uh, an overstatement. So Damn, we bro, can we can get... Get more into that uh, as we drink this, but this is uh, a beer that means a lot to me, and Town Hall is one of my favorite, favorite breweries. Well, Ben, we've been talking about kind of taking it back to the beginning since uh, the start of the show, but I'm curious, you know, Ben, or Ben, excuse me, brewing was not always the uh, the end game, the big dream for you, Ben. There was, uh, you know, other things that you were chasing before that. What else were you doing before you got into the beer world? A little bit of irrita, irrita. Um, yes, a little bit of that. Um, <laughs> originally I was going to go to school for sports journalism and that's what, that's what I originally set out for. And, cool. uh, after a year of schooling, I realized that wasn't for me. And, um, I got, I, I was really into hip hop music at the time, especially local stuff, rhyme sayers, um, idea and abilities, atmosphere, brother Ali, oh, people yeah. like that. Greaves? Uh, no, no. Fair. Yeah. Um, this but would have probably been quite this, a bit before This would have that. been yeah. um, 2002. Oh, I mean, I was into them in the late 90s, into yeah. the early 2000s. But as far as me becoming interested in hip-hop, as far as something I could do, uh, it was, you know, early 2000s. Um, so I started doing music 
on my own and um, ended up going to school at the Institute of Production and Recording in Minneapolis. Their Very first cool. year that they were open. Oh wow! Um, a buddy and I who were who were making music together. Uh, we did all our own beats, all our own production, engineering, mixing, lyrics, writing. Um, all that was was just us two. Um, and um, yeah, school there was fun. It was it was really cool. Uh, I loved hip hop. Still love hip hop. Um, but you know I. Um, I got really involved in the school culture, um, doing shows with them, doing freestyle battles, um, hanging out after after hours at school, doing different things in the studio. Um, loved it, and uh, ended up kind of doing my own my own thing after school um, with my music. Um, I had a couple promoters that were that were doing shows around the cities for me um, and getting me booked at places and. I did that for probably a year before I ended up uh, getting a different job in which I traveled, and that kind of really stopped that, uh, which is unfortunate, but also led me to where I'm at now and, and brewing beer, which I love too. So, you know, I don't regret any of it. It was it was a good period of my life. That's cool, man. Hip-hop was one of the first things I, I found out about you that was kind of interesting, just your your taste and your, your background in it. Um uh, I guess the first time I was actually introduced to you, I think at Baldman was, as Dustin described earlier, the the stupid chemical test where yeah. you were like finding out what each cleaning solvent did. Um, but actually, my introduction to you as a person was like walking into Baldman one morning during a brew day and like hearing a tribe called Quest through the speakers, oh, yeah. and I'm like, okay, like on paper this is a classic rock brewery and i know a lot of people here listen to classic rock there's someone in here that's like a hip-hop head. i'm gonna <laughs> find them and i did and that's super cool man that's uh yeah that was i guess kind of my my introduction to you like my my way of finding out that oh there's more to this guy than just beer he listens to like some weird old like music that falls into a weird niche you know that not a lot of people are, are spinning yeah, man. very rooted in minnesota rap as well minnesota minnesota hip-hop for sure i mean i'm just a very particular person in the things that i enjoy so um you know i look for the weird i look for the obscure i look for the unique um which Minnesota rap is very much unique i can't name a sound that's much like the minnesota absolutely and i mean for me so. The Rhymesayers were, were very inspirational. I mean, they did it all on their own, um, rejecting major label contracts in order to keep their creative freedom. And Idea, especially for me, him and Abilities were just, they put on an amazing live show. I've seen them so many times. Um, and then, you know, Idea as an 18-year-old going to the Blaze Battle Competition in New York, which is the, you know, freestyle battle competition. And just destroying everyone was very just man we can do this you know like this can be done as far as uh a different demographic mm -hmm. um yeah we could have a scene here or, in yeah a scene from from minneapolis and st paul which i thought was very cool and it inspired me to to really do my thing and not be not be worried about you know getting on the mic and and doing that kind of thing is because you know like most people i hated speaking in public or anything like that but being on stage with a microphone and doing my own music was very different you yeah. know i was confident and it, you know i owe it to the people like 
uh, idea and, and abilities and the rhyme sayers for, for stuff like that, which, which is a cool part of my history. Yeah. I used to go to their record shop, you know, in up, uh, uptown all the, the time. Fifth element. Fifth element. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I spent weekends there just hanging out, open mic nights, you know, I mean, that was when those guys were there, you know, yeah. you would walk into the record store and there's, uh, Sean Daly slug from yeah. atmosphere yeah. and, and, um, idea and brother Ali, they're all just hanging out. That's so cool. I once waited at Fifth Element for two hours to meet Brother Ali, and he never showed up. It's unfortunate, dude. You're like killing my buzz over here, man. (laughs) (laughs) Man, that's. I'm sure Brother Ali's a busy guy, but that that's uh, that's pretty crazy, man. That's uh, I'm always interested to hear like who others, um, who other uh, artists, like big inspirations or influencers are. Like that's always really interesting to me. And so you just kind of talking about like these local guys that made you think like, Oh man, you know, this is achievable. Like kind of gives you Mm -hmm. that hunger, that drive, um, kind of a two part question. But if you had to take, like make a Mount Rushmore for your top four favorite MCs of all time, dead or alive, no particular order and your top four favorite beers of all time. Okay. Just so, like off the top right, of the head. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, have I to be too deep. MCs. Um, Idea is for sure on there. Um, Hell yeah. Black Thought from the Roots is on there. Solid choice. Um, Man, I probably got to go like Big L, New York. I mean, yeah, also uh, a great choice. Died too young. That guy was really talented. Um, Let's see. One other MC. Nas. No, Cameron, your favorite. No, definitely not Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know, like a like a ghost face or someone like that. One of the Wu Tang guys. Got the shirt on. It's right hard now. to pick. Yeah, I love that shirt. <laughs> it's hard to pick um individual MCs. Talib Kweli, yeah. yeah, you know, would be up there for sure. It's always um, what I'm in the mood for too, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Same. Um Eminem, I mean, is up there. RA the Rugged Man is a guy that not a lot of people know. Yeah. But he's OG. I mean, the guy's been around since the late eighties. If you wanna listen to some good hip hop people, all the listeners, R. A. the Rugged Man. Old New York, right? Old New York. Um, he was an old Wu Tang affiliate, I think. Uh no, he not, wasn't not a, one of the group, but I think he did some stuff like he might have done he did stuff with everyone sure, really sure. um but you want to hear some good stuff someone who puts out album after album of strong hip hop music not just a couple songs 18 yeah. bangers ra the rugged man um uh, nice. dude is dude is awesome as a lyricist as an mc his flow top notch um beers it's probably an e- even tougher question to be honest cuz it's always evolving right but um, I don't know. I got to put psychedelic on there just because of what it means to me as a brewer in my career. Um, I got to put Cantillon Blah Bear, which is the blueberry sour from Cantillon on there because of what that means to me and, and what I went through to get that beer, um, which was a ton of money and a ton of trading and time and effort. Yeah. Um, and I don't regret any of it. It was worth it. Um, I love just good loggers. Sure. Um, shout out to Andy at Bad Weather. 
Okay. Oh, yeah. um, dude kills the loggers. Uh, he makes super solid beers all around, but his logger game, and I know he would agree, is, is on point. Uh, really solid. Love his stuff. Um, so as far as local goes, like I'll drink his his stuff all day. Um, there's a there's a place in Denver called Beerstat Logger House that makes nothing. I mean, their tap list is like four beers. You know, Hellas, Pilsner, Dark Lager. It's basically it. Super tasty. They do a, a slow pour on their Pilsner, which mm. you know takes about eight minutes for you to get your beer, but it's well worth it. Uh, super it? traditional. I think Dual Citizen was saying something about that yep. they wanted to get a slow pour for their check pills. I think that was correct. Yeah, they they had the little device. I wonder what that would be like a slow pour pills. It's super good, dude. You get that? I mean, you really get the the aromatics and stuff coming out of the foam mm. because I mean that's the purpose is getting that nice rocky foam on it, which just accentuates your whole experience as a beer drinker. Right. Hmm. Um. I don't know. It's so hard for me to narrow down four beers. That's of, fair, of man. All the beers I've drank. I, I mean, I'd spot. have to throw a West Coast, like probably a two-hearted. Something just like for me that I could drink a lot of, you know, in terms of just classic West Coast IPA that I love that I've been drinking for years. Um, you know, so I get a little bit of, you know, Lambic in there. I get a little bit of uh, the West Coast IPAs, the New England uh, of my own and then you know some good loggers and um as far as locally bad weather andy doing them as good as anyone you know no stouts or porters on there i like those but again it's hard when you're talking about four beers yeah. i mean it's just that that's that's a tough list it is a lot yeah. to choose from yeah. there's not many beer styles i don't like it's a very small list yeah yeah, I really can't think of one. I mean, West Coasts are towards the lower end of mine, but if I find a good one, I will drink it. So, Random question I wanted to ask you. Do you do you think that the Midwestern style of rap lended itself to more of the East Coast style of rap compared to the West Coast in terms of like the poetic nature of it? Yes, um, but you also will find in the underground West Coast much of that poetic nature. Mm. Um, you know, most people think of um, Aftermath and Dr. Dre and yeah. Tupac and Mac um, Mac Dre, NWA and things like that, which are quintessential West Coast, fantastic music. But in terms of the underground scene, you're talking about, um, you know, um, people under the stairs and. Um, why is it slipping my mind with Dell the Funky Dilated Homo Sapiens? Oh, yeah, you're Del thinking the, um, Del Deltron. Yeah, but what's what's the group? Why is it slipping my mind? Um, gorillas? No, not gorillas. Oh, hieroglyphics. 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 Yeah, yes, yeah. Um, groups like that that were very much intelligent rap in the early '90s um, yep. in the Bay Area. Um, Definitely. Then you get people like Aesop Rock and Murs and and. Um, I think MF Doom is from out there. Um, Jurassic Five, I think. Jurassic Five, yeah. So you, there's a lot of intelligent, poetic West Coast music as well. Um, but that's that's where I lean more towards, right? In my hip hop style. So whether it's East or West Coast or Midwest or anything in between down South, I typically lean towards the um, poetic, kind of nerdy, uh, weird stuff. 
Um, I've definitely heard you listen to some three six. Hey, I you know Twista too. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, speed mob sti- Yeah, mob stability. Uh, love the Chicago area stuff. Common Twista. Uh, those kinds of people, Just obviously, general appreciation different. across the board. Yeah, for, yeah, uh, and you know, I can get down with Outcast from Atlanta. Hell yeah. I can get down with, with um, yeah, three six mafia. You know, just. A little bit of this, a little bit of that, and it's all got different styles that really just shaped hip hop. You know, they all had a had an importance. Wow. And it's kind of the same way for you with beer. You know, I think that just says a lot about your palate. You know, there's a time and a place for everything. So there that's, is. That's cool, man. Um, super interesting. Just kind of figuring out how you really got into hip hop because I didn't really know all that. But what was kind of your your segue from that part of your life to um being where you are today brewing beer because i have to imagine that a lot of that same drive that you used um when you were uh, a local mc a lot of that same drive and determination probably lends itself to being an artist in the beer world yeah i mean it does they they kind of go hand in hand you know my my favorite part about making music was was the creative aspect you know um writing lyrics and and making beats and doing things like that and so when it came to beer, I didn't. Ne- I always liked good beer, you know. Starting probably around, um, you know, my mid twenties. I'm 36 now, so probably around age 24 is when I really started getting into good beer. And then when I got my job traveling the country, a lot of times I was by myself, and I would just go to the local breweries. I liked good beer. What's out here? What can I go to? And this was back when I was big into trading beer. I was big on on beer websites. Sure. So I was researching. I knew every everybody around the country in terms of what they were doing, who they were, where the best breweries were, the up and coming places. So when I was out in New York or out in Tampa or anywhere in between, I was seeking these places out. And so I would go. And hang out and have beers. A lot of times by myself. Sometimes I drag my coworkers with me if they were there, but uh, they weren't always interested necessarily. But that was my thing. And so I would go enjoy the good local cuisine and the good food or good beer, excuse me, and and see what they had to offer. And that really sparked, you know, my interest of I don't want to do what I'm doing now for the rest of my life. What what could I see myself working in? Well, beer. I, I like it. I have a passion for it. I, I seek knowledge. You know, I want to know more about it. And so I, I had some cool experiences around the country meeting brewers and them giving me tours and showing me their stuff and trying stuff out of barrels and trying different cool things. And to, even to the point where I'd sit in a tap room and have a beer and, you know, where you could see the back and I'd see these people working and they'd be like spraying out a bucket or, or, you know, opening up of a door and grains coming out or whatever it might be. But just things that I was like, I want to do that. Like, I don't even know what that is, but I want to do that. And so I, um, when I was kind of ready, not necessarily ready to quit, but I had gotten a job as a beer buyer at a liquor store back here when I yep. would come home. Cause my traveling job, I'd be gone for maybe a month. I'd be back for two weeks. And so in those two weeks, I'd go work at the liquor store, curate his, his beer selection and then go back on the road and come back. And eventually, after a few months of doing that, I, I stopped because it was just all work and, and no play and no relaxation. And about a year went by and I was ready to quit the job I was doing traveling. And so I reached out to him and said, hey, I'm ready to quit. 
what can you pay me to come back? And so I took like a 60% pay cut to go work at the liquor store full time as yeah. the as their beer buyer. And I was doing beer tastings on the week on Fridays and um cure, really he gave me complete freedom. Whatever you want to do with the beer, do it. That's kind of cool. You know, if you if you're going to spend a bunch of money, come let me know. But you know, Hansen's, I carried their lineup cuz I was like we're going to get this in and it's just going to be a just a niche little cool thing that we have that when when the right people come in, we're going to sell it. It's not going to be flying off the shelves, but you know, it's going to be a cool thing to have. So I really took pride in in curating that beer selection. Um, I worked at a liquor store that didn't necessarily have the most um, interesting beer buyers. A lot of them were just blue collar. They want their Coors Light. They want their their hams. They want their you know Milwaukee's best, whatever, which is fine. Um, but every now and then, I get people who wanted to branch out, and eventually, I started developing more customers and more customers in terms of craft beer and getting people interested and. All the while I was working there, I made good relationships with my sales reps. You know, um, my surly rep, his name was Tyler. He was a really good guy. Uh, he he was trying to get me hired with him, like, for a long time. But his boss wouldn't listen because I didn't have anything on my resume. Sure. Um, other uh, I had other sales uh, and distribution companies trying to get me to work for them in terms of my reps, but I could never get an interview or anything. All the while I was applying at breweries. Whatever you can, whatever you're hiring for, I'm applying for. Couldn't get anyone, and it eventually led me to Bald Man. Uh, okay, there's a brewery opening up in my hometown. I got, I got to work there. I got to get a job there. Meant to be. So yeah, it was kind of meant to be, and um, now I'm where I'm at, and I think it's a a, a great journey and just um, a testament to just you know go after your goals and don't give up and just kind of. Always keep going, no matter what. You know, as long as you have a passion and a and a drive to learn more and to expand your own knowledge and make yourself valuable, someone will give you an opportunity, and then you'll you'll take advantage of that opportunity. And so that's kind of what I've done. That might be the most inspirational thing we've ever had on this podcast. Hey, man, our guest not only brews beer today, but he also is full of wisdom, and we appreciate it. You're, uh, <laughs> you're blessing us with it tonight. So. Yeah, I think what makes me very excited is i know that that almost sounded like closure in a sense but this is just the beginning literally like just the beginning still for your brewing journey it is and to me that's the most exciting part of all because you came out with a banger so i'm i'm excited to see what you do next yeah, yeah, man. Me and, too. and before we let you go, like, I just got to say, too, like, it was super exciting just to get to see you work last week. Like, I actually had the opportunity. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I suppose that was exactly one week ago today. I was talking about mm-hmm. last week. I was I was a little tired towards the end of the day. But Woke up a pretty early that day. I did, but it was well worth it. And it was just fun to see the, the whole process and or not even the whole process, just a portion of the process, really. But You saw almost the whole brew day. I mean, I always encourage anyone that wants to come in. I love hanging out and, and educating people or letting them see what we do on a daily basis, you know, especially the people that are pouring our beer. I mean, they're the yeah. ones that are representing our beer at the final moment. So if you want to learn, absolutely. I, anyone that wants to come in, I, I want to to shadow a brew day and and see the process and ask questions and I love seeing the hunger in people that are like, oh, what are you doing here? How do you get that 
you know, I taste this. Where does that come from? You know, just inquisitive questions that, that, you know, make you think. And I like to, cause I was that person. And so I always appreciated when people would give me the time of day to explain things to me as a, as someone who didn't know. So I, I love it. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think you are probably the one person. I mean, I've, I've gained cumulative knowledge from everybody at the brewery, but you've always been the one person I've gravitated towards because you've put things in a maybe not always bite-sized like piece of information, but you're very willing to give the information. And, you know, whether it be if I have to run that through my head a couple times, you're always willing to teach people, which I think is fantastic because it is a lot to take in right away it is absolutely well this is awesome man i love how positive we are right now just closing things out um i feel like i want to go for a run (laughs) i mean i feel like i want to go shadow another brew day honestly i mean it's uh there's so much more for me to learn on that aspect you should but i'm gonna take the opportunity to throw myself under the bus if you're not gonna bring it up okay because things happen in breweries especially when you're new that maybe you make a mistake um Ooh, and i think i know he- where he's getting to i, I wanted to bring this up to. because yeah. i think it's a funny story and yeah. it was something that like to people who are just getting into brewing professionally or whatever um i hope you work for someone like the person i work for and the people i work for that are very understanding when you <laughs> when you screw up as a young brewer uh because I thought I was going to get fired before my career even started. Uh, probably within two months of starting in the back. So this would have been 2016 early on um, when Bald Man just opened. I'm in the back. We get done filtering a batch uh, into the bright tank. And we have, which you guys have probably seen if you look back there, but we put these rigs on the front that consist of different entry and exit points for water and and various things um, going into a tank. And um, we would take this rig off when we're done for the day and put a cap on the tank and be done with it, carbonate it and and so forth. And I was tasked with taking that rig off. Well, I took the wrong clamp off. It was the clamp to the bright tank instead of the rig. So when I pulled that off, all the beer that was in that tank starts pouring out. Oh, my God. And I'm freaking out because I'm new and I don't know what the hell's going on. And I just screwed up big time. And Tristan comes running over and helps me somehow miraculously get the thing back on there and clamped and sealed. And we ended up losing you know, maybe a 20th of what we had put in there. And I thought like half of it was gone. And so the look, I I wish I had, you know, footage of the look on my face because I can imagine that, you know, I was a ghost. It's over. I'm done. I'm done. But Tristan was so (laughs) amazing at just being like, calm down. We're good. You're fine. We're fine. We lost a little beer. I bet you'll never do that again. Yeah. And the man, I will say, he's got it right on his door. Like, he's a big safety nut. Like, he got his whole safety policy right on his door. It's one of those situations where I'm sure he looked at it and had a moment of clarity where he's like, no one's going to die today. Yeah. You know, I'm so hard on myself that I was just mad. Yeah. He was like, we're good. Like, if you want to be mad at yourself, go ahead. 
Mm-hmm. But you know, we're fine. Beer's fine. We're good. We lost a little bit, but I know you'll never do that again. Yeah. And sure enough, never did that again to this date anyways. But, um, yeah, it was just my moment of like, oh shit. Like I just screwed up big time. Does that run through your head every time you're over there taking clamps off? I mean, anytime I'm doing that, I think about it. Despite the fact these days I I know what I'm doing, but I still am like, yeah, you can't have that Do happen. Do a little double check this time. Oh, man, that's wild. But yeah, every brewer has a story like that or that multiple oh stories moment. of just doing something where they're like, oh, crap, that's not right. Yeah. Um, but this just happened to be when I was brand new and didn't know anything, so I was panicked. You know, and Tristan's calm demeanor of just, we're good. Yeah, you know, we just lost some beer, but it's fine. And you're still doing it today, you know? Not not dumping beer out, but you're still working in it today. No, it didn't and, scare you away. And that's the thing is, I thought I was like, well, my career is over in this before it really started. But uh, fortunately, I work for good people. So it's um, I've gotten to be where I'm at now despite that that issue. That's cool, man. Those little those little hiccups are always fun to hear about when you can kind of look back at it and smile. But uh, I I have to imagine, or I can only imagine what you were feeling at that time. So, yeah, crazy. But uh, bringing it back to what we got in front of us, we got one last beer that we got to review. Yeah, um, it's been a tasty one. Uh, appreciate you bringing this one by the uh, Masala Mama from Town Hall Brewery um, in Minneapolis, and. You know, Town Hall's a brewery I've been familiar with for a while. Actually, as a matter of fact, I found myself there on my 21st at their Seven Corners location. So I guess since as long as I legally could drink, I uh, had their Scottish Ale that evening, among other things. Um, don't think this was one of them, but uh, I'm digging it. It's it's what I look for from West Coast. A uh, little bit darker in color it could just be the lighting in here too no it's generally darker that's what i was thinking. generally darker like amber colored yeah really tasty um dank nice little punch of bitterness right up front on the tip of the tongue um finishes clean um yeah basically what i was expecting nothing that's like rocked my socks but i can see why it was a cool intro beer for you because was this kind of like the first ipa you really tried Yeah, so I won't, I won't talk too long on it, but this beer was like the game changer for me. Yeah. Uh, some friends of mine took me to Town Hall um, before I really drank anything like this and um, specifically had me order this beer. And this would have been in 2004, 2005 probably. And yeah, probably around there. And... Drank this beer, hated it. You know, I was like, where's my water? I can't, like, my mouth is so dry. It's really? so bitter. Yeah. Um, it's overwhelming. And, you know, I drank my water, drank the beer, drank my water. Got through the pint and ordered another one. And after that, I was hooked. And that really, like, started my journey of hops. And, you know, I needed hops after that point. If I drank beer that didn't have the, the bitterness... Yeah it didn't do it like my my palate was just kind of craving this this um the ibus you know this this certain west coast because back then there were no hazies there were no new Mm -hmm. england's um it was all about west coast bitterness and i loved it and i was hooked and so this beer really 
was the game changer for me in terms of holy crap there's this you know hops i need hops and yeah. that's really what it came down to is that um I hated it at first. One pint later, I was in love, and so it just really changed my whole perspective on on beer, uh, as I knew it, and opened up all the doors to me to getting to where I'm at now in terms of my my love for beer. So, what's the uh, yeah, BAC or not BAC? ABV. What? ABV. Six four generally, I think. Okay, mm. I can see why you'd be in love. <laughs> yeah, few of them will be feeling pretty good. Um, I I really like it. Yeah, I think it's good. Um it's it's not a West Coast IPA that's going to disappoint. Um I would probably put it at about a 4 just because I don't think it's like uh there was nothing about it that just like straight up you know blew me away, just left me floored, but it's definitely something where yeah, if I find myself, you know, at Town Hall again, you know, if I'm ever bowling there, once things reopen back up, I don't know if their bowling alley's going to survive. I hope it does, but I'll probably order a pint of this. It's real tasty. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's not my style. You just put it out there. Um, I might just need to do what you did, what you did, Ben, and try more of it over time. And I'm, I'm starting a little bit to make that turn around on the West Coast styles, but, uh, I'd take a pint of Misty over this 10 times out of 10. I'm sure what they were going for, they nailed. But I'm going to hit a 2.9 on this one. What I would say to you is don't be apologetic with your reviews because everyone's palates are different. There's plenty of people who don't like this style of beer. Um, And that's fair. That's fair as hell. Nothing to apologize for. Yeah, it just... I always feel a little weird. I mean, you didn't do it, but we had. There's been people in the past when I've told them I don't like a certain beer, and they go, "Huh." I may disagree with you, but it doesn't make me right, and doesn't make you wrong. Right. You know. I mean, it's your palate. You know. Subjectivity is like we like, like we like to say around here. Like you like to say. Yeah, it's more so me. But uh, you know, we're not beer critics, too. I think that's yeah, another I mean, thing it's... we want to say is we're like beer enthusiasts, not critics. We're not trying to sell our you know, our opinions or wrap them up into a nice little blog that we're pushing out, trying to say that, you know, our voice is the almighty one. We just, you know, we drink what you put in front of us and let you know exactly how we feel about it. And we hope that we can continue doing it. I mean, all I, all I ever ask is for an honest opinion. I don't want, I don't want your, oh, I want to make them feel good opinion. Yeah. Just be honest. Yeah. Um, For me, this beer is four stars. This beer, you know, there are, multiple local West Coast IPAs I would choose over this these days. But this beer has such a special place for me because of what it did for me back in the day. Um, And I still enjoy it. I was there yesterday to pick this Crowler up and I had a cask pint of it. Town Hall is one of the only breweries that does traditional cask in the cities. Cool. That's pretty Um, cool. So I had a 20-ounce pour of cask masala mama. It's delicious. We should go check that out. And I still really like this beer, but it's not... Where it was back then for me was number one, West Coast IPA. And now it's down the list, but I still have a special place for this beer, and so I still give it a solid four. Um, But, you know, never make apologies for your own palate because there's plenty of of beers that people love that I will not 
and that's that's okay. It's the beautiful thing about it. Wise words from Ben today. Yeah. Well, I uh, appreciate you joining us, man. We had the opportunity to drink uh, a nice, wide, little variety of uh, of beers with you. Um, is there anything you want to plug before you get out of here? I mean, other than just Bald Man Brewing, man. Like, come down, drink some beers. Um, you know, we got good staff. We got good people. We got good owners. You know, we're doing things right. Um, come drink some beers. Um, enjoy them, you know. We got a Belgian triple coming out. Uh, uh, recipe of my my good friend Landis, who's a, a brewer there at Bald Man. Um, I brewed it. It's his recipe. Uh, I think that's gonna be on tap uh, the fourth of September, so next Friday. Yes. Um, and we we got a lot of that, so you know, come enjoy it. It's, it's a very solid beer. Um, and then I'm gonna be working on a Goza, so you know, stay tuned yes. for that. Cause I'm trying to dial in the recipe and, and get all my, my techniques and everything down before I go ahead and brew it. But it's going to be solid. Big things coming for the boys. Yeah. Stay tuned. Indeed. Bald man brewing. (laughs) Well, thanks for joining us, Ben. It's been a great, uh, great time chatting with you. Um, thanks again for joining us on another episode of Suds Buds. And that is all for now. Thanks for having me guys. Take it easy. Cheers. I'm
Been trying to find an identity rhyming in verse of the night to find by the mind's penitentiary Four corner rooms and forks in a path Consuming for inch of my interest And it's me to break out the trap Essentially distant, mentally I'll eventually snap Officially file this functional prune Room to doom over thought plume Tumors and musical wounds And my shadow proved to be my only dream My only and it taught me never to abuse a full moon It's not suitable Sometimes you gotta lose control To gain the kind of truth To hold the rain that falls Don't bruise my soul like it used to I'm used to it And now I'm just working on Smoothing out the kinks The circuitry allows some headroom Before the brink So what do you gotta tell me That I don't already know Already know. Just shut the fuck up and let me grow I learned from my mistakes And I spotted with these disruptive plates So call it what you want But this is how I won the right to think Thank you. 